And we're live. What's up, guys? John Sintes here. Crass, Cass Kreitler. Crass. Cutter Nation podcast number 55. Nick Belzer on the podcast. First off, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, mash that like button, share this on social. Do whatever you can to help us get this out here. We're excited. We invested a little money. We got the system and the programming. Uh, working through um, to get this podcast thing going way easier than we had it before. So um, without further ado, Nick, why don't you introduce yourself, let the uh, people at home know who you are and where you come from and how hard you throw. <laughs> of course. So the main question is how hard you throw, right? But yeah. What's up, yeah. guys? Cutter Nation. Nick Bells are here. I uh, grew up in Ankeny, Iowa. I'm from Des Moines area. Just an Iowa kid. Been Midwest my whole life. Uh, went to junior college out of high school. Then went to a Division II school and then played, you know, Northwoods baseball. And now I'm with the Milwaukee Brewers. So we'll kind of get into my story in a little bit. But, yeah, that's kind of a little bit about me. And I know Cass because he coached me in summer ball one summer. And, yeah, that's how we, we got our relationship going. And we've been talking ever since. So, yeah, we're both kind of doing the same thing now. This guy? This guy talking? No way. Yeah. 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 So, so uh, the summer before I moved to San Diego, I coached in the Northwoods League for the Mankato Moondogs. And – uh, Nick was a well, Bells was a veteran on the team, yep. third year, <laughs> um, third opening year. night starter, um, and yeah. just uh, fantastic dude in the clubhouse. Um, and so we've been talking since I left, and um, I've tried to keep in touch with a lot of those. That was a special team, um, yeah, really. That was is um, that that triggered a lot of things in me, like like Nathan Hickey, like how about that kid, like. The yep. fact that we couldn't be more opposite, and I love that kid so much. Or like Ken Cruz, like yep, kids yep. never sworn in his life. Right. Um, and then Adam Lucas is throwing BP ninety nine miles an hour. Yeah. Like funny, uh, funny story about Adam Lucas. The first time I saw him play catch, before he even pitched or anything, he came in and nobody knew who he was. And I saw him play catch, and I was like, man, that guy's arm is just super fluent. I said, I guarantee he's going to throw the hardest on our team. And he goes out there first. I remember time I was ninety nine. I was like, no way. <laughs> You could just see it, though. You could see it in his arm. Dude, and uh, Kyle McDonald, like, those were some yeah. of the best home runs I've ever seen. Um, I uh, I told I told him this. I'm like, if there is one person, and no offense to anybody else in the world, but if there's one person that I wish was a Major League Baseball player, it's Kyle McDonald. Yeah, yeah. Because the fans would <laughs> love, love Kyle McDonald. Yep. He's the best. Yep. Um, I've never met somebody um, so – just so locked into uh, a good solid approach right. like he's he's dynamite man he did not care if he went over four and it, four it's not even that the guys like that they have the approach like in their their mindset going in the game is they don't really care what happens like they strike out they move on from it they flush stuff yep. quickly so it's he, like he played the game nothing affects him yeah so those he are the best the kind of baseball players that i've played with are the, the ones that don't let stuff affect them yeah, yeah i'm just yeah. saying screw it instead of you know taking it personal you just struck out did you see I went live with Rick the other day? You did, Ricky D. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, Ricky to talk D. To him. Yeah. He's yeah. So stuff. anyway, getting off track, but this is the, this is the cool part. Like, I hadn't had this, and, and I'm going to share a little bit about my side, and then I'm because I'm going to let Bell's gush a little bit too. Because um, when we start getting into the Moon Dogs, I know that there's some pretty strong relationships there. But that was kind of the thing, you know. I had been a Division three coach for three years. I'd coached a ton of high school ball. And this was kind of my, like, I, I sacrificed a lot to be at the Moondogs. And I was rewarded with one of the most special group of dudes I've ever met. 
And, and it was like, it was kind of the start of me realizing like, these are the kind of relationships that I need to be fostering as a coach in the future. Um, and so I, you guys will always be it, like, I'll, I'll never forget you guys. Cause I, I doubt yeah. that I'll ever be able to coach in the Northwoods ever again or do yeah. something like that. Um, and so that will you'll all have a very special place in my heart. So anyway, I'm going to be honest right now because this is going to get you fired up and get you talking. So when, when I was coaching Nick, okay. I remember a bullpen up in Duluth where you're like, let's go gun me. And you're 85. I remember that. You are pissed. I I, I tell a lot of my lessons. And yeah, man, (laughs) I'm glad you remember that moment. Yeah. Um, and so since that moment, right. Um, just 97 easy, and just watching you grow and then like us going back and forth um has been really fun um because yeah. <laughs> um and i'll let you guys i'll let you elaborate on it but um bells does training in iowa and does a fantastic job with his players there um far nothing but good stuff to say um and so make sure to check their stuff out i'll let you talk about all that stuff but anyway it, it's cool because it's a unique perspective as as a professional to be able to train at the same time and train others yeah. because yes. the way that I've gotten better at throwing is I started training people. So in college, I, I probably learned more by teaching kids at camps than I did by my coaches. So anyway, yes. John, thanks for your patience there. You're kind of caught up into our little uh, romance here, but Bells, <laughs> I want you to tell me a little bit about like playing baseball as a kid because you people, a lot of our kids are SoCal kids and they do not know what it's like to, to do what it, it, yeah, baseball in the Midwest is different. Yep, baseball in the Midwest as a kid. So, baseball season started when baseball season and started. And sports too, because yep. you're playing other sports too. Yep. There was no catch in the off season. First, first game of catch was first game, first day of baseball season. And then once baseball season was over, it's a football, then basketball, and then I played tennis in my freshman year of high school. Like I just kind of played everything. And baseball is something I never really trained until about sophomore year because I had. A guy named Joel Landing in front of me who was a quarterback, and I knew I wanted to throw something, and I was like, oh, well, can't be quarterback now because he was starting as a freshman. So I was like, oh, now I could go pitch. And I was playing tennis too. I was really good with the racket, just kind of like throwing stuff and just got into pitching and then, you know, took off from there and kind of quit every other sport after my sophomore year and dedicated everything to pitching and, and hopped in perfect game, the showcases, like kind of started training year-round, all that stuff, like getting my arm in really good shape and like committing to being a pitcher. And that was the difference for me is – you know, that commitment. Cause before I was kind of all over the place and then I committed and then put everything into that. And, you know, it kind of paid off for me today. So. That's interesting that you said you played tennis and, yep. and you pitched because I feel like the spin game on both of those are yes. very similar. Yep. So that's a, uh, I'm sure as a, how old were you when you were doing that? I was a freshman in high school and I had, I had a kick serve. So they loved my serve. I was on varsity and doubles actually. And it was my first year playing tennis ever, but they just loved my serve. Cause I had, I just had a natural serve, I guess. And it was, I, I did a kick serve and it was nasty. And they're like, Oh, you could play division one tennis. Like, why are you quitting? Cause I told them it was running into baseball season. And I was like, I'm quitting everything <laughs> playing <laughs> baseball. Like, Oh, you should play tennis. I'm like, no, I'm just kind of, <laughs> played tennis just to be here you know but yeah it was that's a, it was fun. That's a pure baseball player too i'm just gonna go win your sport real quick and <laughs> yeah and i was a little too extroverted for that sport i did a little grunts and moans and they didn't like that i said it's a gentleman's sport you can't be you know slamming it down and hey, yelling at your hey phone. yes you can yes you can you should andre agassi and pete sampras would have something to say yeah. about that i i got yelled for at sure. for it so yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, that's it's a you just do what every ball player does right there too. Yeah, oh in the Midwest just, and compared to Southern California, it's you know you play four different sports. It's season by season. You kind of go along with the weather around here. Down there, you guys have seventy five degrees all the time, so you know you can dedicate yourself to baseball year round because you have that weather. But here, it's more you know you got to play basketball in the winter because you can't go outside. If you if if anybody listens to Eric Cressy podcast, the episode with Brad Hand is hilarious. Um, did you listen to it, Bells? No, no. Uh, so Brad Hand went to Chaska and is uh, my age. And I think he's a year younger than me. And he's just like, yeah, I threw 92 and like, I didn't know if I was going to play. And then I got drafted. Like, it's just like crazy. It's yeah, like, yeah. he had no idea. Like the Midwest like experience that. is like, yeah. And it's, and it's yeah. not as common anymore, but it's just funny how, um, how talent is, it's bred a different way. You know what I heard the other day? Um, I don't know if you've played any hockey, but um, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Rue. Yeah, Rue at uh, where we rent from, Rue Formans. He said that hockey players have the highest VO2 output, which I think is just like power output. Lateral? Um, because they – Lateral output? Well, just in general okay. because because they um, because they move so fast in all directions. Yeah, that's true. And so no other athlete can actually just spin around like I'm that. I'm actually so very good at ice skating. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah music, like, I played a ton of hockey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, anyway. All right. Um, so let's get you to uh, – so get you to like senior year of high school. What are you doing then? So actually, I'll go back to sophomore year. So sophomore year, I was just on the sophomore baseball team. Wasn't on varsity yet. I mean, I kind of was the only one I confidence in myself, like, you know, I'm going to be a pitcher. So I just kind of pitched my balls off my sophomore year, did super well, lost one game and took that game really salty. And junior year, I was like, I'm going to be the best pitcher in the state, like hands down, really trained for it, did perfect game, you know, really dedicated myself. And then junior year is my first year on varsity and ended up be- being a uh, first team all state and, you know, pitcher of the year, one state, we, we went 43 and two as a team, like we were just completely dominant and it was that's when everything kind of took off for me. I got the offer from Indiana State after that year. And that was just one year on varsity. So for kids that are listening to this, you know, it only takes one year on varsity to, you know, get looked at looked at, at the next level. It doesn't take you what know, were your numbers starting as a year? freshman. I was 10-0 and 0 with a 1-2 ERA, like 100 Ks. and How many innings? How many Ks? 60 innings and 100 Ks. Oh, boy. Yep. So that's such a thing to me, by the way. So there's a formula that I haven't heard anybody talk about. And, I, and this is something, you know, we, I want to go into later. So remind me about the strikeout formula of more than one strikeout per inning. So yeah. continue with your story. Yep. So then after that junior year, I committed to Indiana State, uh, signed there. Coach Heller was the coach there at the time. And then after that, he eventually went to University of Iowa. He said, follow me and Tried to make that happen, whatever. One thing turned to another. I ended up going to Kansas State University, then transferred back in semester, went to junior college, and then tore my UCL. So freshman year, 18 years old, tore my UCL, you know, started balling. It's like, what am I going to do? My parents came and told me. It's like, you know, it's torn. It's like, I got this huge road ahead of me. Let's just let's just do it, you know, because really what it comes down to for me in my career is just like just determining myself and just committing 100% to like and believing in myself that I'm going to make it happen you know, regardless. So go ahead, Cass. Tell me about, tell me about the, how'd you tear it? So I don't know. I threw a lot of curveballs when I was young. There's a lot of theories I threw in high school. Like I didn't throw that much before. This is what I want to know. I want to know, like, I want to know like the, the two to three weeks before you tore it. What were you feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Describe, 
I felt tug. There was a tug and then just a little bit of sharpness in my elbow, but it wasn't as sharp as when I actually tore it. It was in the seventh inning. It was like someone like stabbed my elbow, then cut off the knife and pulled it out. Like there's just a a knife in your elbow. But at first, it was a little knife and then it just gradually got bigger over time. That's how I describe it. Before that game, had you felt anything? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I knew I knew I had a tear after my junior high school. So I was diagnosed with a tear, got an injection, did the rehab, did all that. Senior year was up and down with my health. Couldn't maintain my velocity. I was like, what's going on? And then freshman year, I tore it. And then after that, kind of the best thing that ever happened to me. So I did the were rehab. You, uh, and were you radar gunned? Before Tommy were John. You, did, yeah, I'm just saying, like, did you get your radar gun readings in high school? Yeah. Like in games and stuff? Yep. I was like 88 to 91 in high school. Showcases, I'd be like 91, 93 for an inning. So, so that so that first year that you're on varsity, what were the most um, – like was it was it frequency? Like you said you thought it was torn after that season. So how frequently were you being pitched? Every probably five to seven days, but I threw probably seven innings each start. I think I just threw more than 110 pitches a start every time. Because I was pitching yeah. well. And then what would you do in between? In between, I mean, and I was in high school, so I didn't obviously didn't have the routine that I have now. But right. obviously so I, there was- I would run some polls, you know, do that kind of thing. But now it's a lot more flush and more routine. Yeah, and I think so like if, if you're that My kind routine of, definitely lacked. I mean, unless school. you're like I think I think the thing is is like in those environments, just 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 put it out there. Like I really feel like the only way you can do that is you have to have like naturally like perfect mechanics and nobody really does that 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 really doesn't happen until you get older so like you just have to have somebody around you that can help you like yeah it's just it's crazy man it's a different world because 60 innings isn't that much but it's just like it's all it's all relative you know it depends on what your workload was before how you were recovering in between you know were you sleeping like and, and usually summer in summer in the midwest is like we play baseball and then we're going to the lake and we're just and we're going right. and we're going just, and we're yeah, going. Going, going. So yeah. maybe that's a thing, you know. But by, by the way, that that might not be. Maybe we were recovering well because we were wakeboarding or tubing or fishing. Right. Like maybe just else. the the active lifestyle. So yeah. who knows? It, it's it's super complicated. But anyway, the moral of the story is it was pretty bad for a while, and we just couldn't solve the problem. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Pretty much, and then after surgery. The adjustments that I made with, were cleaning up my arm action was the first thing because I was really jabby. I like to do a lot out of my glove. So, like, right when I would separate my hands, I'd try to throw the ball right away. And I ended up doing a lot of movement back here before my arm was even up. So I'd be, like, throwing twice is what I felt like because I was really jabby back there. And then I smoothed that out. So when I got up to my launch position, that's kind of what I was worried about is just smoothing things out, slowing it down, and just kind of staying in my hips and not trying to – you know, create everything as much as just, you know, transfer it. Well, but this is, this is more recently. So I, I want yeah. you to like, because I want you to, dude, you have a good story. So, so like talk about Mankato, sure. talk about the moon dogs, talk about <laughs> with the saints, you know, yeah, and so then the college. transit. So college, yeah. yeah. College. Yeah, walk us through it. We'll, we'll oh, talk mechanics and, and stuff at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So college, I was a push and go type of guy. I'd push down my back leg, I'd rip it, just try to throw hard, and I would just try to throw really hard curveballs. I never had a change up in college. I was always fast curve. 
I was one of them. I was, but I, didn't I you went, go to, went to a great You school. went to DMAC. You went to DMAC and then you went to Mankato. But I had great pitchers around me. My staff around me was great. We won when I wasn't pitching. Like that was, it was perfect. Like there was no ace really. Like we all won. You know what I mean? It was a good team, good staff. But anyways, we went to DMAC. We, we had a great staff there. And then went to MSU, great staff there. But the whole time I just, I really never really got coached in a way that I could maintain my own mechanics. So did you play well, with Shubler? No, no, he's way before me. Yeah, he's he way over. He yeah, yeah, that's, that's Buck. Yeah, that's yeah. Buck. So what I mean by that is, you know, a coach doesn't really tell you how to interpret your own mechanics so you don't know how to maintain them throughout the whole season. So at first you might be all, you know, riled up. It's first game of the year. You're just throwing hard. And then third game of the year, you're like, wow, I'm getting a little sore. My mechanics are lacking a little bit. Like what's going on? My velo's dropping. And you don't have that awareness to be like, oh, this is kind of what's happening. You're like, this is where I'm at when I'm feeling good. Like these are the things that I do. You don't really get that direction in college. It's kind of on your own. And I wish I would have coached before college because now I see the direction that you're supposed to take in the routine and, you know, the video analysis and all that stuff that's beneficial to players, to players now that I should have used when I was in college. It would have helped me a lot more, but you know, I have it now, so we're all good, but you do the best that you can. At the yeah. Time, back right? in college, I was definitely a push and go type of guy, just an athlete on the mound. That's how I would describe myself. Hey. Back in college, we didn't have any radar guns. Exactly. And yep. Our just, scouting reports were weird emails that we somehow got from somebody. You just ripped it. Yep. And, and then you rip. found out you found out what they thought of you too, and you're yep. like, "Oh, interesting. Wow. <laughs> weird." <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. Well, well that, okay. That's weird. That's weird. Yeah, how it's for all sure. Evolved. Okay, so you're at Mankato, um, and then Northwoods. Tell me about your first summer at the Northwoods. So first time in the Northwoods was actually in Wisconsin, Wisconsin Rapids, Rafters. It was right after DMAC. I was committed to University of Hawaii. I didn't end up going there because I had 2.3 GPA, but now they changed the rule. So it was 2.0 to be eligible for D1 now. So I would have been eligible back then. But then that's why I went to Minnesota State because I'd be eligible to play baseball. It was 2.0 there. So I ended up going to MSU. But after that uh, summer at DMAC, it was after my surgery. I was feeling good. Right after surgery, I was like, you know, low 90s. I threw in front of Hawaii. They offered me, put me on a visit and all that stuff. So, you know, surgery went great and all that rehab came back fine. And then after that, I went and played Northwoods in Wisconsin. And okay, hold on, good. hold on. You, you, can't, you can't go over these big things. Return That's to the throw. We're, we're throwing, guys. Okay, so so tomorrow we're going to have Weston Germain on. And, oh, my gosh, um, Jamie, I don't know her last name, how to say it. So, Weston and Jamie, and they're going to be talking about return to throwing programs. So yeah, and that's a whole. Tell me, thing. I can't even bring up Tommy John because that's a whole other topic of how I got back from it. Yeah, I want to know. Why? Why can't? What you do you guys bring, want? Why can't you bring it up? Uh, well, tell I okay can. because the the protocol and I, like because yeah. you probably had the old school way of coming back. back too. Let, me, let me let me give you. Yeah, I was going to say. Okay, me too. Me too. Yeah. I had my elbow done by Ostrander. I'll tell you and exactly how it, how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I, I say it. I went through four different uh, physical therapy centers, them included. I went. I the went people through, need to know. Yeah, I went through four different ones before What's I your opinions? went back to the guy that that went that did my knee. And then the only reason why I went back to him was because my uncle worked with him with the um, Virginia Braves in like the eighties, and so he has just been around baseball guys. Yeah. And then all I started doing was just asking questions. So the, those conversations we're talking about, the the details into the discrepancies, as I would like to say, right? You know, because I had many of issues. That's a whole other avenue. Because I've I've 
I know a lot of kids that, you know, have torn their UCL and they're thinking about getting surgery. Like, where do I go? And it's just like, they don't understand it's a baseball specific surgery. Although it's an ACL tear technically in your elbow, it takes a baseball specialist type surgeon to really get it right. I feel like, cause I've seen it done, you know, where it's jagged scars and guys are hurt after eight months. And like, you know, it feels like something just wasn't done correctly. And if you're going to get it done, you need to get it done like completely right and, and make sure that you're confident in the guy that's doing it. That'd be my advice for that. And the rehab take care, t- takes care of itself. You just need okay, the surgery so, done right. So then the, the rehab though, uh, okay. Was it, was it how many throws? Was it the 45 feet? Like who was it? So, was it on your own? Who helped you? So my rehab, it started from the day after surgery. He said, try to move your arm full motion. Like I was never locked up in my brace from the day after surgery. And I'll just, every day I'll just try to move it more and more, try and get my range of motion back. And then once I got that back, then it was on to the next step. It was, it was kind of dependent on how fast I was developing on it and not just dependent on the program. That's what was good about it. So I, it was it was dependent on me. If I want to take a day off, then I could take a day off. Like I took plenty of days off and guys are like, what are you doing today? I'm like, nothing. Like I don't feel good. They're like, okay. And it's like, and I get back after it tomorrow. And it's just like, that's kind of how it works. You listen to your body. And then the program kind of follows you instead of you following the program. It just kind of gives you the guidelines to do it. It's a good way to and say it, it follows you. Yeah. You follow how you feel, but you get all the work in obviously, but you know, it's more, you're not following the program. Like, Oh, I have to do this today. It's just like more, it, make, well, it puts it in like perspective a, too. Like a timeline in your head. Like, Oh, I want to be healthy in nine months. And then you're like, Oh frick, I don't feel good. And- See, no, I didn't. Cause I had time. I was at a Juco. I just tore it freshman year. So I knew I was going to be out at least a year or two because I tore it in the first part of the season. And I didn't get my surgery till June. So I got surgery in summer. So I was going to miss the whole next year and maybe the next year after that. Why'd you wait so long? Because I went into Andrews and tried to get it done. He didn't know who I was. I was a Juco kid trying to get it, get it done. Yeah, I was trying to get it done. Right. Me. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I was on a it waiting took me, list. Yeah. I was on. Yeah. Well, it took but me it was like worth it. Four and a half months. For yeah. me to get but I'm, I'll send him a jersey someday and be like, Hey, I was on your waiting list, but here's a, here's a signed jersey you can put up in your, <laughs> in your office. Cause he had a bunch You're, of jerseys in there. I remember him. He is good yeah. guy. Which, which facility did you go to? The one in Alabama or the one in uh, one in Florida, Pensacola. Yeah. We drove that's all where I'm down from. there. Yeah. Rented yeah, a van. From, really? You're from Pensacola? Yeah. Well, that's, that's where I went to nice school. I went to school there. Okay. I'm from, I'm from like an hour from there for Walton beach. It's a super called. nice area. Super yeah. nice. I loved it. Not a baseball area. No, <laughs> no. There's Definitely. a Pensacola blue Wahoos there. Yeah, no, I'm just saying as far as like what I grew up with and everything. Ours was right. very Midwesty. It was very seasonal. You followed yep. everything. Yep. There, we didn't have any major universities or anybody leading the, you know, the under, you know, right. It's kind of closest there. baseball clinic I went to was like Florida State or Florida and stuff. It like feels that. like it's kind of on an island out there, dude. I went, I went to Southwest State. That's where I went to baseball camps. Two yeah. and a half hours down to see uh, Coach Blanchard. Okay. Bless his soul. I'll put it that way. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I'll relate that physical therapy to throwing in general. Like it's it's more listening to your body and you know what you can do that day instead of following this program and thinking, oh, I need, I'm going to be back in nine months or I'm going to hit ninety in a week. Like it's more progression instead of, oh, I need this goal right now and I need to obtain it. I wrote some down. It's like obtained versus developed is one of the main things that I talk about with my kids. It's it's like in order to obtain something, you have to develop it. Like you can't get frustrated in the development stages of, of trying to obtain something. So it's just kind of having that vision of just being patient enough to go day by day 
and it's, see the yeah, see skill, the light skill skill development. development. Yeah, for yep, sure. Exactly. Have you have you done any research on skill development? I mean, I read read one book on like the mental game of baseball and some on skill development, but other than that, it's I mean, not really. I haven't done Rand, much research. Randy, it sounds like you would like that. Randy Sullivan's got some good stuff on that on on some information on his website. I think he has yeah, a send me some stuff to look at for I'll sure. See what I can find, but there's a bunch of um, there's a bunch of people that have written some written some research about you know all kinds of topics from like skill development of video games and how people become these masters of these games really yeah, and then like chess that's... masters and you know i want to say it's like that uh, a chess master is like a level and then like it's it's your chess master because you can prove that you have like over a million games memorized or something crazy like that it's like right uh, right you know and so i take that and i take that skill and look at those combinations with the video game of like street fighter and mortal Kombat, like what i grew up with and understanding like sequencing and patterns and apply yep. that to pitching and that's where you can have a really fun game and understand like how much you know thought is going into what you're trying yes. to do and how you're trying to spin the ball and what you're trying to do with it. yeah and how you work on your skill in baseball is just playing catch that's one thing i've always been good at ever since you know high school is i always took a lot of pride in my catch like every every throw was like i need to hit him in the chest i needed perfect spin like not necessarily perfect spin back then, but now I think, you know, perfect spin. But back then it was more I need to do my mechanics right, like get out front, like put everything into this throw. And I did that repeatedly for, you know, nine years in a row. And I never took a day off of catch. And I feel, I feel like that's what kind of helped me out in the end more than that's anything. All, that's a great point. So um, had some success in the Northwoods, had some success at Mankato State, and then you got your shot with the Saints. So let's jump yes. into that. Yeah, so after, I mean, after let's, go real, let's go real slow right yeah. now with this, like <laughs> game by game if you want See, to. And think I, about it. He was just talking about sequencing, so that's why I want to think about it like okay. you, had to, you had to learn how to pitch a little bit. Yep, I'm I'm a very brief storyteller. I don't like to go in much detail, so I know uh, I'm helping you. Yep, just I'm nudging you along a little bit. Okay, so after MSU didn't get drafted, you know things didn't go my way. Went to Mankato one more time, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll go play for the Saints then. And then at that time, their roster was full; they didn't need me, so I went home, started a landscaping job. Was doing landscaping during the day, and I was coaching at night. Wasn't really playing at that time. Wasn't throwing just graduated college and then me and my buddy i just started playing catch again i was like man i like i you know i'm gonna give us another shot like i'm just gonna start throwing so i quit my landscaping job and you know just did lessons and threw during the day and then coached at night so i was just throwing all day coaching all night for all last year and then eventually we put a gun on it and you know i posted the first video i've ever posted i'm not big on social media but post the first video and it was you know 96 whatever and after that, I got a, that a chance. That was the first time you got on the gun? Yep. Yep. First time I pulled out the gun was 96. And I was just throwing with Tanner. We were just researching, like, pitching mechanics every night, like, staying after work two hours, like, till midnight, just sitting there, like, talking, just, just having a conversation about mechanics. That's really all it was. And then pulled out the gun was 96 and then went up to St. Paul, tried out for the team, you know, threw a bullpen. They liked it. Got a chance at camp. Wasn't signed with the team yet. Got a chance to camp, though. I was like, yes, like you know, I want to be in St. Paul. Got a chance to camp and did well there. You know, took pride in catch. You know, blah blah blah. Just being a good teammate, all that, all the things you got to do to make it in baseball. But did that and then got signed to the team. 
So is it fair to say, though, that you all of a sudden started taking things a little bit more seriously at this point? I, I feel like I always practiced serious in college, though. I always practiced and played serious and played so you, serious. You trimmed some fat in your life. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay, I always, so yeah, yeah, that's so what I about. tell people – so this is this – is, well, I saw I the coaching think, aspect of it, and I just became a better player once I went to St. Paul's training camp. I was like, this is what coaches want to see. This is what I would expect from players. Like, I need to, you know, be that guy every day. Like, there's no days off. Professional. Yes, be a professional. And that, that's why I learned most in St. Paul is how to be a pro. That they all talk about that every day. You know, how to how to be a pro, act like a pro. And I had no idea I was coming from D two, like wasn't packing enough socks on my road trips, like walk around the lobby barefoot, getting yelled at. It's like, you know, just rookie mistakes like that. But yeah, I learned a lot there in the in the short time I was there. So I got to St. It's Paul. A part of it. It's yep. a total part of it. Yeah, I'll keep going after that. Got through training camp, did well through live against hitters was kind of pulling off a little bit, but was thrown hard and, you know, kind of showed some good stuff and ended up the season started through an exhibition game against Sioux city explorers. One of the best teams in that league. Um, first, first professional start. <laughs> first hit I gave up was a Oh two home run 96 up and into the MVP league last year on a broken bat. He splintered his bat and hit a home run on me. That was my first uh, professional home run that I ever gave up was a broken bat. So I was like, welcome to pro ball. Like I just threw my pitch 96 up and into a lefty and he broke his bat and hit it out. So that was a good thing. That was an exhibition game because that didn't go against my array. But then after that, I got a chance. <laughs> I got a chance to start in the rotation. It's funny how you count that. Like right. I would totally, I'm like, that doesn't count. It's yep. not in a season. doesn't count. By the way, been there, gave up back to back, broke broken bat home runs. In the yeah. League, so. I tell people that they're like, no way that happens. I'm like, yeah, yeah. it happens. My, my, my situation is completely different. 13, you feel 6,700 right. feet Jeez. elevation. And there were holes in the fence. If it went through the fence, it was a home run, which yep. we were confused at because of the yellow line also. So, yep. And it's funny because I, I was watching the team take BP before the game a little bit too, and I saw the guy that hit a home run off me. He's, he's a stud, Jose Saramo. Shout out Jose Saramo. He's a good dude. But yeah, after <laughs> that, I ended up getting a spot in the rotation. It was great. I was with Medina, Dustin Crenshaw. Or, yeah, Crenshaw, he was a great dude. He was like – one of my best friends there, he kind of took me under his wing, was my veteran. You know, I was a rookie. He was a vet. Um, kind of stopped I played against him in Mexico. Really? Crenshaw? Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a great dude. Shout out Crenshaw, yeah. too. Yeah, he took me under his wing, showed me some workouts, like a routine to do from, you know, between starts. Because I was on a five-day rotation. I've never been on a five-day rotation before. So I was going to come quick, and he was kind of explaining that to me. And he took me under my wing, under my wing for that. So thank thank you to Crenshaw for teaching me a routine because that's what I really needed. That was the difference between college and professional and maintaining velocity, maintaining my stuff was the routine between my start. Like in college, I would lift, you know, you, you'd have to lift as a routine. It wasn't like a baseball-specific, pitching-specific routine. And that's yeah. what I learned to do for on my own for professional baseball. And that's As a the fellow D2 guy myself, I totally understand yep. what you're saying. Yep. There's – Lack Thank of, you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I love specialized training, like Cutter Nation or anything like that. Is like you're getting in there to throw a baseball. Like you're not going yeah. in there to bench press or, you know, learn how to tackle somebody, like learn how to use your, your lower back. It's like, no, we're learning how to throw. And that's the difference now. 
I want to throw with you right now. <laughs> I know. I, I need to come down there and play catch, stupid coronavirus. Well, well, we'll figure it out. I mean, hey, San Diego is not terrible. You talked about it earlier. so I'm know. just quarantined. I might just hop in my car and just I'll be there in 24 hours. So you got you got a phone call. Nick Belzer, you're not going to play for the Saints anymore. Tell yeah, so actually I – so I went five starts in St. Paul. Did did well there. Had a great defense behind me. Shout out my defense. My goodness, I I just threw it over the plate, let them play D. That was it. I had great numbers. I had like a one two three RA after five starts. Like they really. Wait, what year was this? This summer with St. Paul or last summer. Was Benji Wait with you? No, I mm-hmm. didn't meet him. No, nope. I think so he was, was there, there the year before when they won it. Okay. No, I was there when it was. No, so yeah. so then it was the year before that. I don't remember yep, where he was. Yep. Maybe it was – he was – actually, I think Benji was with Fargo then. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I ended up playing there five five starts, and then we were going up to Canada. And I was like, shoot, I don't have my passport. And I went up to my coach. I was like, uh, I don't have my passport. He's like – George? No, I went up to the assistant coach first, and then we went to George all together. and. Like, yeah, he doesn't have his passport. He's like, oh, just go, go go home and get it. He's like, you're fine. He said, you got you got time until you start because he knew I had a facility back here, so I would throw if I went home. And I ended up going home, and I get a call from George. He's like, hey, he said, no need to come back. He's like, Brewers purchased your contract. And he's like, you're probably getting sent to Arizona. I was like, all right. Sweet. And that was it. And I, I hopped on a plane and went to Arizona. <laughs> you didn't even get to say bye to your boys or anybody. I actually right? did. I, I drove back up to move back out of my apartment. So I did get good. to say bye to everybody. Well, that's, that's really good. Nice. That's good. Yeah. I hate I got traded. I got traded on a road trip one time. And oh, it was really? Gnarly. Yeah. yeah I was sick. like, I was like, how do I get anything? Like, where do I <laughs> see you later? And I'm in Mexico, so it's not even close to being fun. Oh man. You know, I'm like, oh yeah. wait, you're gonna send my stuff to me where? Like I don't yeah. even know where I'm going. Yep. Anyway. Yep. And yeah, then, yeah, and then yeah. so now you're a brewer. I was a brewer, yep. And you know, independent ball compared to summer ball, I would say, you know, independent ball is against double A, triple A hitters. And it, the pitching was a little different. You go down to rookie ball, and it's, you know, guys are swinging out of their shoes every pitch. They're not really picking pitches like they would if they were a double A, triple A type hitter. So it's kind of a different speed for, for that comparison. But yeah, I went down to, uh, summer ball did well down there, thankfully, because everyone just swing away in rookie ball and did well there and just had fun. It was 120 degrees every day. Just embraced it and, you know, dream, dream, you know, just keep going and keep chasing it. You know, not Sounds accomplish like it was yet. easier to you. Like when the difference of when you were in, when, yeah, when I don't want to say that, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I totally, I, there, I, I think that's a respectful thing to say because like the American association is legit. You yeah, because I mean? you like, know the difference was I would throw a two zero changeup down in Arizona and they would swing out of their shoes at it because you know they're like two zero. I'm you know I'm swinging away two zero changeup. You know up in St. Paul would probably get hit as a single or like you know yeah. they would get a good good piece of it. It was yeah, just like know, different probably, approach. Like I couldn't beat them the way I could in summer ball. Exactly. Yeah, we're talking strategy for sure. And that's how you level up. You know, double A, triple A hitters too. Is they're they're picking pitches and it's you know throwing against what they're guessing. That's what it comes down to. But, yeah, just having Arsenal do that, that's a whole other conversation. But that was a big difference there. But I'll tell you what, when you get down to pro ball, you, it's all about stuff. It's all about the, you know, Rapsodo, Agitronic, all that technology that everyone's using nowadays. That's Data is huge now. I'll attest to that. And that's something that I used to in my training. And I think about the pitch log, logic baseball. When are you going to send me one? I need, I need uh, one. 
Well, thank you. I'll put you on my list right now. Please send me one. I really do need one, honestly. Yeah, my uh, I got a meeting. Stuff. I got a meeting with some people today, so yeah, I'll. I'll yeah, shout I'll, out Pitch Logic. Let me let me do what I can. Let me see. Uh, yep. Let me tell you why I like it, honestly. And I, and you being a numbers guy, and like this over yep. here, we have it uh, screen mirrored to our Apple TV, and all of our drill work gives us spend data with the. I know. I see. I was like, oh my goodness! Like, please <laughs> let me go there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely I'll put in a good word and we'll we'll talk some stuff um, after this and everything. Um, so well, uh, okay. So with the Brewers, uh, Jared Gaynor, does that name? Uh, no, twins. He's oh twins. Oh, my, my bad. He was with the Twins. He's an analyst with the Twins. I thought he was with the Brewers. Okay. Anyway. I figured when you said all the spend stuff. So what well, what are the Brewers? I'm sorry. What are, what are the Brewers? ask of you as far as your spend data and all of this stuff are you allowed to talk about that or i mean i'll just talk in general about it it's it depends on what kind of arsenal you have if you're a forcing pitcher obviously you're trying to get that vertical break if you're a two seam guy you know you're trying to get that sink and you know that horizontal run a little bit so it just depends on you go in with your arsenal and they see it and they say oh okay that's a four seam and you know it's at two o'clock right now but if it was at one it would increase your efficiency and your vertical breaks. Like that's just an adjustment that data can make for you or seeing it on a wrap. So it's just kind of like the clock on where to, you know, release it. That's going to give you that vertical break instead of being at two o'clock or three. And then you throw your change up and it's like, that needs to be at three to get the most, you know, bite on it or the most depth, because if that circles on top of the ball, it's going to sink. But if it's on the side and you're throwing at one o'clock, it's just going to run. Yeah, so that's time. that's where yeah, that sure. that data comes into play and the technology. I, I just love it. First time I went down there last year, I was their first rookie to ever be in the lab down in Arizona. And now they're doing it with everybody because the lab session went so great because I, I saw that right away and I made the adjustment and it was like I did it in that bullpen and it was like boom, boom. And after that, it was just I hit the ground running because I knew what I was trying to do with my pitches because I never that's saw awesome. that before. Yeah. And that, that's why your catch play with the pitch logic could get fun too. Yeah. Yes. If I have body. that every day, it's, you know, it's game over. Give me that, please. <laughs> pitch logic. Let's go. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. You would send but me I'm that. Just, I'm joking around. I'm a humble guy. But no, yeah. but that's, those are the, those are the uh, conversations that I was having with them. I was like, you don't understand what this it's is a huge advantage. Catch play. Oh man. It's I can't even advantage. tell you the conversations yeah. we're having that you're going to go, what? I know. Mm -hmm. So uh, you had sent me some of the feedback they had given you. And when we go to the coaches convention, when we just kind of like, if you pay attention to what's going on, um, just in general, right? The, the big challenge is, okay, we have these numbers. And then how do we disseminate that to the players? So obviously the spin stuff is actually pretty intuitive, right? So it's not, you don't have to overthink some of that stuff. It's right. like you just said, we can just put it into our catch place. But then there's going to be other things like, Okay, when should we be throwing these pitches against which kind of swings? And then it's yeah. going to go a lot further on that. And, and that's where I think it's going to be interesting in, um, how, you know, really the art of, of the art of that. That's literally yeah. the art of pitching has changed, right? Yeah. Because we have yeah. so much more objective information there. Yes, I would have to agree. I mean, how are your coaches like the people in the dugouts? Like, what's that like from the professional side of it? Are they, do they have iPads? Like, is this, Oh yeah, they, there's TrackMan for every field you go at in rookie ball, and they have a little iPad there. They see the spin of every pitch, all the exit. Can all you all access the pitch, that information during the yeah. game? Yep. Yep. Oh, dude, it's if live I can action. see spin data in the yeah. dugout in between innings. You can your whole fix staff. Stuff? You can see your whole staff. Like, oh, dude, that's yeah. awesome. Every really? pitch of the game. Yep. Yeah. 
They have an iPad sitting there with spinner eight. That's, I mean, if because you could come in, you could come in and fix things quickly. Yeah, but they know, don't. Especially. They obviously don't talk to you about it. You know, it's just for them. Like they look yeah. at it. But yeah. Oh, they don't they get to show it. you. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but I'm saying like you though, like you. Let, let's say you know you're talking about exactly the same. For you me, know, no, I don't. Can you see? Can you see? Why can't you? Oh, I could go up to my coaches, but I never did because I didn't want to be in their ear when I'm pitching a game. You know, I'm sitting. I'm sitting on the bench about to go off for another inning. I'm not talking to my coach. Like, I'm not but looking the, at my coach in between innings. I'm not really But in the same sense, you could definitely, if there was something that happened, right? Let's say yeah. something didn't do what it was supposed to. What I'm saying is you could go back and be See, like, what was that? And then I just you don't, saw that. I don't yeah. think it's to that level yet because I, as a rookie but, at that time, because the only reason I was the only one who went in the lab was because they didn't want to mess with people's heads. It's mm, like, oh, I need this curveball to be at yeah, you know, okay. 12, 6 o'clock. And then so they start thinking yeah, about that. I, I've been telling him for a while now that and that's in pro ball, the technology of, of golf, right? So that I wonder if that's a thing in the big leagues. I don't know. Yeah. Um, or if, if it's a rule, especially now with what the Astros did. Like, I'm sure there's right. going to be so many more rules with technology limitations and stuff oh, I'm like sure. that, you know? Yeah. Um, but what I was telling him is like with golf, right? Uh, as soon as the balls hit, like golf is the opposite. They give away all the data. Like they yeah, want everybody to have it, right? On everything. And so I remember seeing a shot the other day and it had the streamer on the ball. It had the spin rate, the direction, the force that was it, it was impacted by the velocity of the club, the velocity by the ball. Like there was just all of this little cool stuff on the side yeah. of the screen, like right over here. Just chill. Every time someone throws a ball, it should show that on TV. Hundred percent. So I was just watching Japan the other day, and they're playing, and there's nobody in the stadium. And after every pitch, because you don't have a lot to talk about now, right? After it's every just pitch, they pitch. just cut. They just cut to slow motion, right to it, right away. That's awesome. And it, it's like a ten set. It's, it starts at like Pitch Ninja, where it's like the grip, and then it releases, and then yeah. it goes all the way to the ball. Right. That's amazing. And exactly right. So if we have the camera and we have the technology, all we have to do is blend these two ideas. And now us nerds that enjoy seeing this stuff, like, could you imagine seeing Rose slider for the for the Tampa yeah. oh, and it, it being like thirty eight hundred and everybody on TV freaking out? And then it's on Twitter in eight seconds. Just super slow down. It's like how, it yeah. makes people appreciate the game a little more. 100%, just seeing it like that. 100%. Yeah, because we all know how hard it is to do it. Yeah. You know, that, that's the thing that, yeah, that's the thing that I want people are understanding is like, it is so hard to spin a baseball yeah. in a game against a big leaguer and execute the idea at whatever thing you're trying to do. Right. Yep. You know, because yep. like the, the sports to do the I risk, say. the risk reward to the, to everything is just so high. As, yeah, as you can tell, golf is oh, for hard sure. Too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 100%. But I'm just stuck, you know, the appreciation side. It was, it was definitely a good point. Yeah. I think that's more what I was because I, I, I just don't. I agree with you. I, I think people think this shit's easy. Yeah. It's like I, See, I played with five down. guys that threw a hundred when I was in Mexico, and every yeah. time I wa- every time I had a chance to watch them throw, I would go there. And every one of them threw differently. Every yeah. one of them had different arm pass and and loading positions. And there were things that they did um, after and, their load and stuff that were interesting that I'm sure yeah. you've seen with the Brewers right. too. Or, and I'm going to jump straight into another point with that. One thing that's huge for baseball players is learning from other people in games, you know, being locked in in the dugout. That's one thing that developed from college to professional baseball for me was in college. I wasn't really looking at the game as much as I am in pro ball. I'm watching every pitcher, how they're doing, what they're doing, what they're throwing, every hitter swing, like just analyzing the game at a higher level is something that kids can do more 
or, you know, even act like they're doing it, like really pay attention to the game. That's going to help. That's something easy to do instead of just, you know, messing around in the dugout or like not really paying attention I, well, I think to, the, to the I, game. This is where I come from. That's how you learn. From a coach is it's not, it's our responsibility as the coaches to, to start inspiring kids to do these things. Right. So, and this is one thing that I've been leaning into John a lot about. And, you know, I don't know that I'm like going to like trademark this idea, but I think even just an idea of like, no, what if you just taught people three pitch sequences, three pitch sequences, right? Because a lot of at bats can be done in three pitches and we would sure like that at bats were done in three pitches. So, and if you knew how to get to those counts, it's not too challenging to know what to do in an O2 count. It's not right. too challenging to know what to do in a one, two count. Right. So in those scenarios, I just haven't like, you're definitely not hearing coaches make that simple in Minnesota. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I think it's, it's a little intimidating because of course you can't know exactly how to pitch somebody just like you can't know exactly how you're going to get pitched, mm-hmm. but quit, quit underestimating how simple it can be at times. Cause like right. you said, a two Oh changeup can be effective at almost the highest level. Yeah. Right. And, and it can be at the highest level in the certain, in the right context. Right. Yeah. You know? And, and so uh, we've talked to other people about like how you swing, like your personality, you pitch like your personality. Right. And so you're just starting to go like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to watch everybody. I'm going to learn these people. I'm going to learn like when they do this with their face that, you know, like that's what professional baseball is. It's life and death. So yeah. if I can gain an advantage on you, I'm going to do it. And, and so that that's where baseball players become like ninjas in that way, because the guys that are actually thinking about it like that and playing that game, um, it's, it's, it's literally a different game. And, I mean, and so my point, your job. It's, it's right. Yeah. And so my point is this, all kids need to know is that's how you do it. Right. Yeah. Hey, when you're watching kids, fastball, 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 right? Why? We have kids that can throw little cutters. It doesn't have to move a ton. You can throw like change up, like, and obviously down here, it's a little different, but it's just, gosh, we gotta, we gotta keep making it fun. We gotta keep making it appropriate. And um, yeah. Okay. So we're getting towards the end of our hour. I want to try to keep these under an hour as we go through this to be respectful for you um, and us. Right. What? Do you want to tell us about your velocity development going from that day I saw you at 85 to where you're just easy 97? Um, go here's your here's your tell us all. Okay. No. So velocity, my main thing that I tell kids is you know created versus transferred. You know timing and all that stuff that's on my velocity card too. That's all great, but I feel like creating energy versus transferring it is a huge is a huge thing that I learned that help me maintain my velocity and, you know, throw harder than I ever did. So what I mean by that is creative versus uh, uh, transferred. So before I would, I would really drop down in my back leg right over the rubber. That would be my first move when I was on the mound. So therefore I wouldn't get anywhere. So I'd be pushing off that back leg, throwing from the rubber and I'd be all arm. And I was just trying to rip it in there. What I call like dip and rip type throwing, which is not what you guys do. You guys move forward. It's momentum and all that stuff comes into play. It's not, it has nothing to do with anything, but anyways, that's what I used to do is dip and rip. It has to do with everything, by the way. It has, yes. it has the don't, don't discredit. Like you, you, you know thought I mean? that was in a hundred percent. It's, yeah. it's drop and drive. It's all yeah. the same. And by the way, there are guys that throw that way Oh and, yeah, and for still sure. get, for and sure. still throw hard. Right. Yep. And I think the greatest thing that I want to just identify small right there is that 
you realized it didn't work. That's for the only me personally. Thing. Yeah. Exactly. 100%. Yes. You personally, yes. right? And I think that's where baseball is kind of messing it up. Where if you look at golf, and I keep looking at them because there's a lot of really easy examples, they have people that teach like 150 different styles of the golf swing. Right. Whether it's yep. stacked or torqued or tall or and they you have find all these whatever these, works for you. 100%. And yeah. I think that's where baseball is going to be moving to, whether it's pocket whip stick or create right. energy, transfer energy, you know. Mm -hmm. tall, but it's all kind of the same. It's the same principles. It's just, exactly. You know, exactly. What style works for you. But that was the main thing I did because before I was, I was really heavy. You know, I, I had Tommy John before. So I was working on trying to get tension off my arm and using my body more. Learn about hip shoulder separation. That's another huge one that I talk about a lot. And I make my kids do and I do drills for hip hip shoulder separation too. You know, just as simple as holding on to a wall and firing your hips without your torso firing with it. So I'm really big on landing, you know, firing your hips in the foot strike, staying close in that torso and then letting the whip effect kinda happen and not really being so much dropping down my back leg and kind of throwing with my arm. I'm more falling down the mound, firing my hips, and then I'm whipping through. Kind of like Dominican style throwing a little bit. Yeah. I can't believe it. You know what I mean by that, Steins. Uh, Conio finish. Uh, Conio finish. I love yes. that you know what that means. Yeah. Well, the, listen, all five guys that I played that that threw 100 were Dominican. I'll, or I'll be playing Cat saying, oh, Conio, and people be like, I have no idea. Yeah, they don't, nobody has a new. Nobody yeah. has a clue. Um, yeah. And if you look, so our guys that do back legs – uh, the way it was explained to me from one of the guys is that the back leg to them, like their entire country, they don't care what it does. No, it, you whip it through. Might as well. Exactly. So, they, so like Pedro Martinez being 180 pounds, throwing 97. If you watch yeah, him doing, that's how he did it. You know, his back hip climbing up and over. Yeah, that's, and he's not even trying to do it. You know, yeah. he's just he's just twisting and twerking so hard that it's right. kind of like this flag that just pops out of nowhere. Yeah, you know. And now it's Pedro Martinez's leg whip is what everybody, yeah. you know, and the I, people that the circle that we talk about. Yeah. And I think that's the main thing with velocity is before I would land super low at my landing leg. So I would never be able to get in that position to whip my hips through like that. So my back leg could come through nice and free, like a Dominican or like someone whose back hip is flying through like that. So that's really the adjustment that I made was not landing so low, landing more in a comfortable position able to fire my hips through and then my back leg was just firing through and I felt like I was throwing my hips first and then my arm was just whipping through after instead of before I was more push and drive and now it's more fall and just whip and just let it eat and I can do it all day long like it's a lot different than it was before before I get tired now it's like I can fall into it push at the last second late twitch you know obviously finish is the most important part finish strong and then you can do that over and over if you're using your body the right way. So do you feel like with the Dominican guys that you've seen with that and how you were trying to throw, do you feel like that you have a long arm action or a short arm action? I don't know. Probably medium. I wouldn't say I'm short and I wouldn't say I'm long. I feel like there's some parts that are long and some parts that are short. I feel like that's kind of how it should be. Well, it kind of I, I, so I will I'm, speak for you for a second. Like you, uh, Nick is very neutral with his shoulders, um, very much like a Garrett Cole. So where John will throw with a lot more positive angle, Nick will uh, typically have a lot more success neutral. <clears throat> that yeah. also plays into his arm slot and changeup as well, which is disgusting. Yeah, yeah that's what that's I, yeah. Our, your, I, I've seen a bunch of videos of you throw too, but I, our uh, we we just different style of pitcher, I guess you could say. Yeah, I'm for way sure. more of a downhill type of guy. 
you know. But one thing that's kind of same with us is the finish, and that's really yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But keep going. Just real heavy how, front leg that just torques it. What I kept on thinking was like how you've learned how to throw late, right? And both of yeah. you throw so late, and yeah. that's that's something that um, I, dude, I'm gonna call on so. Steven Strasberg was late. Like the Mark Pryor thing, that's late. That's a timing mechanism thing. Like yeah. that's a thing. Um, but the, the benefit of being a little bit late is you throw harder and you have a ton more movement. Yeah. Right. It's but the negative of that is that it's a little bit more stressful. It's and dangerous. so you, you have to find that, that sweet spot. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, Steven Strasberg has changed his mechanics. He's cleaned his arm path up and he's on yep. time now. And somebody was just ripping him. I'm like, Dude, you're talking like it's 2013. Like this dude has figured it out. He is right. on time. And 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 anyway, um, I, I don't. So anyway, you were just saying that you um, throwing late. Um, tell me a little bit more about like how did that velocity affect your off speed? Well, my changeup especially was something I didn't have in college and pro ball. I started throwing a lot more. And before I would throw my changeup, you know, 81, 82. And then when I started throwing at 85, 86, that's when it became a lot better for me, like almost a strikeout pitch. And I was throwing up to 88 miles an hour and, and because I was just throwing throwing the crap out of it. Like before I was, you know, trying to baby a changeup there, you know, it's a changeup. You got to throw it over play. When, can you be more specific about when when this was before? Was this? Oh, man. This was last off season. I was working on changeups, okay. throwing gotcha. off the mound. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then in, in the games in St. Paul, I still wasn't really comfortable with it. And then last summer, like I really got comfortable with it last year. And then now, it's, you know, I've just kind of hit the ground. What, uh, with do it. you have a ball? Could you show us your grip on what you're doing with it? I do have a ball somewhere here. So you got tennis ball. I'd, I'd, let, you, this I'd let you power hours. I'll let you power hours if you want it. Here you go, tennis yeah. ball. Okay, four seam, right? So I'm here. Can't see it. Point it at the camera. We can't see it. There you go. Like put your put your fingers like this. Yeah, there you go. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Open, so you're, open running, box. you're running four seam. You're running open four box. seam. Chain. Yep. Okay. So my pointer finger is right on that seam. I'm pulling that seam down, John. Down more. I can't see it. Oh, you've hooked it. I got yes. You. Yeah. Gotcha. 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 Okay. And open box is that thumb. So thumbs more at six o'clock. Yep. Yep. So I'm holding that thumb and I'm pulling that pointer finger at the same time. Yeah. So you're trying to. Yeah. To get it turnover. And, and, that, that, gives you, and that gives you your. So the um, that's interesting. So the, the way we talk about pronation is not talking about pronation. It's we talk about to create the side spin effect that we want. We want to pull it across, which is the same idea of what we're doing. Right. Um, and we, we see a lot more success and way more lateral movement to it. Um I God, I need to do this. I've been talking about it for a while. Um, have you ever thrown a blitz ball? A blitz ball. Yeah. Do you know what it is? I've heard of that. Wait, remind me. It, blitz ball. It's the green or yellow um, dimple oh, yeah, ball, yeah. Or ball. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yes. I think that's one of the best ways. I to love teach throwing pitching. Those. Oh my yeah. God! Right. Isn't it so much? Like, it's nasty. You could teach spin and like so much in a more effective, safer way by just. I feel like that's how I learned as a kid was throwing wiffle balls to my. Yeah, brain. I mean, so I was pitching against the same exact thing for sure. And trying to throw curveballs in by him. Yeah, right, right when like, dad goes, dad goes, don't throw curveballs, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, in dodgeball, I'd throw curveballs at people and try to knock their glasses off, like just you know. <laughs> Just thrown as hard as I could when I was a kid. Thanks for the soundbite. That's definitely going to be the soundbite of the podcast. <laughs> Nick Belzer, Milwaukee Brewers. Dodgeball disqualified. 
Sorry about that. That's yeah. hilarious. Anyway, anyway, okay. So I like your velocity um, thing right there. The change up. That's that's awesome. Um, that being said, uh, uh, what else? So throwing wise, right? You, um, let's go into like programming. Um, you said that one of the things the kids. I know we got five minutes or so to this, but if we go over, it's no big deal as long as you're um, available. Yeah, um, I'm good. So what do you feel like if you could give some advice to some kids as a general plan as far as like how you got to 97 and what your experience that somebody can learn from? So I would say commit to more than, you know, three times a week playing catch, especially if you're trying to ramp up like for a season, off season, you know, there's really no time taken off. I took off four weeks this off season and I was already throwing again. So one thing they need to get over is they need to throw all the time. Is that and that's one thing people in the Midwest struggle with. And I did too when I was a kid. I would throw seasonally, but baseball is more kind of something that you need to do all the time. And that's that's one thing that you know I'm doing a lot more of now is trying to be a year-round thrower rather than a seasonal thrower like I have been growing up in the Midwest. So being able to throw all the time and being in that routine, committing to more than three days a week of of you know of pitching, not just baseball. Like I don't think about baseball necessarily i think about pitching more i guess you know when i wake up and when i go to bed it's more pitching not like baseball so really just committing to what you're trying to do or what adjustments you're trying to make during that time like just really getting into it and just being obsessed with it kind of like Carm mcgregor i love i love mcgregor you know he's cocky but he said it's it's he's not talented you know he's obsessed with the with the game and i feel like that's that's really what it's about just becoming obsessed and committing and putting the time in and effort to really do that and believe in yourself the whole way through. Could you give me a week for a young kid? Let's a week say for a young Monday, kid. Monday through Sunday, when you say play catch every day, yeah. do you have definitions for, I would say RPD every other day or anything, two, two days, two days off, one day on every other day, if they can, you know, that kind of thing in the off season. Right. So it's, you know, throwing once or twice a week in the off season. Like when they're not just throwing. What is throwing? Are we are we are we long tossing? Are we short tossing? What are we doing? Nope, just playing catch, playing catch. Yep. It depends on when it is. Like I'm saying, you need to do it more often. So when I let's say let's say off season, let's say off season building, right? Off season, get it's get on a mound. Whenever I threw, whenever I play catch, it's always I'm working on getting on a mound. Like it would. You know, you build your arm up for a couple of weeks and then it's, you know, so get on the mound. That's, and maybe that's it. what I mean. When you say play catch, can you define that for us a little bit? Yeah. More? Okay. So I just learned I, to me, so, so, do you understand what I'm saying? Like to play right. catch to me, I thought we're just going to a field playing. Catch so this is, this is kind of how, how it goes for me. It's I, I have an idea of how many bullpens I want to throw a week or what I want to get done for the week. And it depends on the day. So if I want to throw four times a week and one bullpen in, I'll find a day that I feel the best at and I'm going to throw my bullpen that day. And the other days I'm playing catch, like I'm trying to feel good, doing my weighted ball, doing my routine, like kind of knocking down the percentage a little bit, obviously, for my bullpen days. Like after a bullpen, I'm not going to be throwing 100%, like doing the 50, 50, 70, kind of the stuff that you guys do, but kind of just toned in to me personally. So building it back up to my bullpen. So I'm always thinking about my next bullpen or thinking about the next time I'll be on a mound, and that's how I play catch. So I'm always trying to get on a mound. So I'd say try to get on a mound, I mean – off season, I got a mound two or three times a week. I mean, don't tell anybody, but but yeah, I would just go it's up live. there and do med it's ball drills. It's only live right now. Yeah, I would do med <laughs> ball drills, like just feel the mound. Like I would do dry mechanics like all day just to you feel just the mound. You just want to be on the slope. Yeah, yeah. yes. And feel the mound because that's one thing I learned is 
know, you're not going to get any better from throwing like a, from a flat ground. You will get better, but in the game, you're going to be throwing from a slope. So you might as yeah, well try totally to learn how agree. to do that. When I was in Mexico, they thought I was crazy because I wanted to throw on the mound every day. And I'm yeah, like, why no, not? I got to feel the slope. I need to feel. You yeah. Know. If you transfer your body the right way, it won't, won't be that stressful on you. So. Hey, and I that's the main goal all the time. My, yeah. my, uh, my favorite season that I had when I was in uh, Mochi's in winter ball in Mexico, I led the league in appearances and I had five starts. Like I love just, it. Just all and the time. One, one thing I'll leave you guys with is, you know, one thing I preach to my kids is, is their glove side. And that's one thing I see you guys do super well. K drill. You know, I'm not going to say I was doing it before you guys were doing it, but I did that drill in college all the time. Yeah, I've never my seen it, up. you know, yeah. for sure, yeah. Having my glove up and actually using your glove side because you think about a figure skater pulling in that leg when they spin, same kind of principles, like pulling in that glove tight and spinning your torso, boom. Mm-hmm. It's like it's yep. extended to tight and, you know, keep keep doing your thing in Cutter Nation and I love it, you know, stay in touch. Hopefully we can do this again soon and hopefully this coronavirus is over with and hopefully yeah, everybody oh, stays dude. safe. And if you, yeah, well, wait, that's I, 100% when we, when you make it to San Diego, we will pitch logic back and forth. And oh, have yes. Fun. I can't wait. I can't yeah, wait. Yeah, for sure. Um, you got anything else? No. Hopefully Dude, it'll be in a stadium. This next yeah, for sure. Right. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if things go well, as, as we'd hope, we'll, we'll be at the game for sure. Yeah. Appreciate you know? the support, guys. Appreciate definitely, it. Definitely. Definitely. Um, you got? You have any more questions for us? Uh, no. Just stay in touch. I mean, I love the, the things you guys are doing, like I said. And, you know, just keep doing it. Keep influencing the youth the right way. And having fun with the game because you know, a lot Instagram? of people take it too serious. Yeah, how, if people have a question about how you threw 97 and you came back from TJ, how did they get a hold of you? Just at Nick Belzer, N-I-C-K-B-E-L-Z-E-R. Just like it says on Just this. straight so. up. Yep. Awesome, straight dude. Up. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. You're the best. Um, yeah, man, we'll keep, we'll keep in touch and – I got nothing else. If you have a question, everything or anything for us, if you want to learn the cutter or have a, uh, you know, anything from there, don't don't hesitate. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We'll start, we'll start putting in some work. Definitely. See how it goes. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you guys again. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. Sounds good. And appreciate it. Good luck to you. And let us know if you need anything. All right. All right. Thank you very much. See See you.